This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Mindsetters, welcome back to another episode. Just got done talking with Michael Green, who is an incredible house flipper, has done over 1,100 houses, and uh, he's got a really cool mindset. You know, he started out with a rough background, rough upbringing, and fortunately for him, he was able to turn that around. Couple, couple key important books and a couple, a very important time for him where he had some time to get super motivated. I won't, I won't tell you the story here. I'll, I'll make you listen. But uh, if you're a house flipper, this is a phenomenal episode. We're going to talk a lot about some of the mindset pieces that go into flipping that many houses and how he's kind of changed the way that he's looked at the business. Uh, but there's a lot of nuggets if you're not. I think all of this stuff applies across any industry and any business that you're in. And uh, I look forward to you guys enjoying it. And if you guys do enjoy it, I encourage you to share this with a friend. If you think it's something that can help someone else, if it helped you, it can definitely help somebody else learn and grow. And uh, if you love the episode, if you love what we're doing here, make sure you hit subscribe. If you're listening on the podcast app or on YouTube or whatever you're listening to it, would love your support. And remember, this is totally free. We're not getting paid anything to do this. So if you love what we're doing, please do pay us with a little bit of support, uh, a phenomenal review and sharing it with some friends on, uh, on social media and some of the other great places. So without further ado, let's get into this next episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. Excited as always, have Michael Green in the studio. How are you doing, Mike? Doing great, man. Thanks for inviting me on, Stephen. I am excited. Uh, Mike is a wonderful investor. He's flipped over 1,100 homes, and it's it's amazing to hear about his growth story. You know, he grew up in a tough neighborhood in Baltimore where he learned firsthand the power of how a toxic mindset can really hold you back, how it can be an anchor and put you down the wrong path. But luckily, he got super motivated to change his life. He kind of found this whole personal development and real estate investing and went on this journey. And fortunately for us now, he teaches others on how to flip houses. And he only really does that because he wants to give back. He's making so much money in his real estate investing business. He absolutely loves it. And he is the host of the Flip Factor podcast. So uh, you ready to get into things, Mike? I'm ready, man. Let's jump right in. All right. So if we start out by looking back, you're obviously done a lot of things. 1100 houses is incredible, but what events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? I mean, my childhood was definitely, uh, for a long time, I didn't share my childhood because I'm a little bit embarrassed of it, right? Because a lot of people see who I am today and who I've become, and they're, they have a hard time connecting that I was a, a troubled youth and got you know trouble with the law, you know, just bad kid in general, right? Not even my mom. Sorry, mom, if you're listening. <laughs> I was like so hard to be around. And, and it was because I didn't have a great father in my life. And I think a lot of us struggle with that, single parents. My mom was an amazing person, worked hard. Uh, but, you know, I got in trouble. And I grew up in the projects where really there was no great role models. If you didn't have a father or someone who was teaching you or a family member, you know, all you really seen around you were like people stealing drugs, fighting, and just this really low level mindset of like, uh, you know, everyone's out to get us. And, you know, there are people like us don't make money, you know, and people give us things like, you know, welfare. My mom was on welfare for quite a while. So for me, one of the biggest things I would say was a shift is uh, being able to get in. I ended up going to jail when I was around 17 years old, getting in trouble. And the first time I'd ever read anything positive was when I had 
had nothing else to do but go to the prison library and I found a book called Think and Grow Rich, very popular. And uh, man, I was just, uh, it changed my life because I'd never really heard inspirational words from anyone. So my first mentor and first person to really even speak positivity to me was Napoleon Hill. And then from there it became contagious. I just started reading Tony Robbins and all these really great things. And, uh, and I've been doing that for since then. This was 20 some years ago. And, uh, and that's just been my journey. So I started changing from the person I was who had all these crazy limiting beliefs and anger issues to uh, when I did get out of jail, I changed my life and uh, just became a really positive person. And my journey's still evolving. Funny enough, even 20 some years later, I'm still very much on that journey. It's amazing. It sounds like you were, you were locked up, you're in the pen, you've got nothing else to do. You figured, hey, might as well pick up a book and see if I can learn a thing or two. And that's where it all started. It is. I actually read the Bible. So, you know, I was bored. I read the Bible in there like three times and I had never read the Bible. I'm not very religious. And so you read anything, you do anything when you're stuck and you got nothing to do. But, you know, these days we have so much television and so many distractions. It's hard for us to get into the things that are really meaningful. So in there I was able to read, I ended up reading probably 20 or 30 books in my time in there and just uh, I feel like I'd come out a very different person. Well, thank goodness that that happened because there's nothing worse than than being stuck in a toxic state of mind. But it's really like when you grow up like that, I have so much empathy there. I, I didn't have the same situation, but one that was also not great. Um, but this isn't about me. This is about you. It's, it's when you're in that mindset that, you know, people like us don't make money. You know, people like us don't, we're not going to ever be able to get out of this kind of lifestyle. What was it about reading those books that made you realize that, you didn't have to live like that. Yeah, honestly, the books were like people, they were just saying things like you can do whatever you want. And I've had people tell me like, oh, well, you know, you can't do whatever you want. Like you can do this. Like you're, here's what you're set up to do. Like you're going to work at Walmart. You're going to like do some kind of construction or something crazy like that. So yeah, as like a 16 year old kids, I'm like leaning towards criminal activities. They look a lot more fun than working at Walmart. You know, God bless the people who work at Walmart. I'm not saying anything, but not, that wasn't for me. I was an entrepreneurial at 16 years old. I wanted to run a business. I wanted to do this stuff. And unfortunately, I didn't get to do it in real life until around 30 or 31 years old when I got into house flipping. But it was there and I always wanted to do it. And I just did not want to just work what I, I guess what I was deemed appropriate. And these books are like, Mike, you can do anything. And I started having that kind of positive encouragement just was game changing for me. I just, uh, my whole focus went from negative, like, you know, get rich doing things the wrong way to like, I totally am capable of doing it the right way. Well, it's no surprise that people get into doing things that aren't really in their favor. Uh, like, you know, selling drugs or doing crime because, you know, where else can you make a three or four or five or 600% margin on a product that you're buying and selling? And that has like an unlimited number of, of potential prospects that are all within your community that all are looking for you. It's, it's like, obviously we're going to go and do that stuff because, Hey, uh, it's a business. We'll run it like a business, going to make some money. And then, you know, unfortunately things can go wrong and, and, when it's crime, the only way to to support yourself and protect your business is with more crime and you end up getting into a really bad spot. 
Yeah, it's such a shame that there's not more people that, you know, because really there's so many. Like, real, what I love about real estate is I've met all walks of lives. I've seen people, sixth grade educations, can't read and write, millionaires. Um, this whole business just offers, and I've seen people with MBAs who just can't make a dollar on a flip. And uh, so I've seen all ends of it, right? Sometimes people with MBAs are too smart to actually know how to make it simple. And I think some of what has been my genius over the years is that I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, but uh, at the end of the day, what I have been able to do is uh, I've been able to take really complicated things and make them simple so I could repeat them. And what's been genius about that is then I've been able to hire people who don't need to have MBAs. I can get someone for 15 bucks an hour to, to really run what was usually a complex process. And then I can repeat it. So yeah, for me, I think it's almost been a little bit of a blessing not being overly smart. Yeah. Simplification is definitely the key to success, but it's really easy to overcomplicate things. So tell me, like, how do you go about simplifying this process of flipping a house? Because it already seems simple, but there's so many different moving parts and things that can go wrong. And if any one of those gets out of whack, you know, the whole project could be done. Well, I read this thing recently, and there's this thing called the Dunning-Krieger effect, and it, it states that the bottom, like in, in a, di- like say a group, a social group of people like house flippers, it suggests that <clears throat> the bottom 10% of house flippers think they're smarter than the top 10% because there's such a big difference between the knowledge. You know, like these guys are doing stuff that the bottom 10% can't even understand. So when you say it seems simple, what I found is like when you're in the bottom 10% and you're new, it seems very simple. And then you get into where you realize, oh my God, it's not not simple. And then as you start going up the evolution, there's things that I'm doing now that like five years ago, I would have thought was crazy. And it's just like, you can take anything to the next level. We were talking about a little bit before we got on this, that, you know, you can increase profit. So how you make things simple, uh, because it really isn't simple. It is probably one of the most complex things you can do is flip a house. You got to be good at sales. You got to be good at dealing with people, you know, construction. If you're going to do it, you know, a flip, you've got to understand like uh, marketing. You've got to be great at that. You got to understand business in general, right? There's all these disciplines that normally you go do one thing, you're great at one thing. I mean, we have to learn negotiations. There's so many things we have to get good at. And uh, so being able to kind of quickly get good at those things so that you can do this business really successfully is like, I think it's the competitive edge that any successful house flipper has really figured out, like how do you get good at all those things? Uh, And people that it's a great business because you could be okay at all these things and still make a lot of money. But we're talking about the difference between making that money easily and, you know, in 15 hours a week or working 70, 80 hours a week and always struggling, just barely getting by. Yeah. And so I kind of prefer the other. Yeah, definitely prefer the 15 hours. I mean, so on your first flip, I know we were talking about before, you spent over 300 hours on that. Talk to me about what went into that flip and compare that to what your business looks like today. So first flip, and uh, I'm glad I did it, but it did take over 350 hours and, and generally just hiring all the wrong people, didn't know how to do anything. So a lot of the stuff I was learning, I was reading Home Depot books. There wasn't YouTube 10 years ago. Uh, I love YouTube now. Anything I need to learn, I learn from there. But I was buying these books on how to do plumbing from Home Depot. And then I would read it and then I would talk to the plumber and I'd figure it out. And you know, I wasn't hiring high level plumbers because I was a cheapskate. I didn't know how to find a deal. So I paid too much for the deal. So I had to get the work done a lot cheaper. So I was hiring people for like 50 bucks an hour or, you know, for a plumber or like 50 bucks a day for a carpentry, you know, just essentially uh-huh. people that I would probably, some of the people I grew up with in Brooklyn and Brooklyn, I'm from Brooklyn, Baltimore, by the way. So that's uh it's not Brooklyn, New York, but 
it's kind of wild there. They call it the white ghetto as the, the nickname of it. And mm-hmm. so some of those people I knew were my first contractors and they were not easy to work with. They required like me picking them up, taking them there, me getting them screwdrivers, going to get them things, like helping them essentially. And that's how I ate all the time. Now I'm glad I did it on my first flip, but it, you know, what, what, quickly became evident is I got to get out of that space and start letting them do the work and hire better people. And uh, that's where I started to evolve. The next flip took half the time. The next one took half the time to eventually the day I spent about two or three hours per flip doing some of the high level stuff that's necessary. Uh, but from that point on, it's very automated. How does somebody get from that point where they're, they're brand new and they want to start flipping houses I mean, do they need to go through that process of being there every single day and learning every single piece to be able to get to the point in your business where you are today? Or, you know, is it possible to, to do it differently? Yeah, a lot of people ask that. And, uh, and I've, had a, I've asked myself that question many times. And, and my 10 years into this and well over a thousand flips, my belief is really strong in the fact that if you're going to flip, not wholesale, but you're going to actually flip a house, that you got to get a good understanding of construction because you're, you're the leader of that really important piece of your business. And um, it's hard to bring in A players when you're a C player. So you have to become an A player. And I'm not saying you have to know how to do every aspect, but you have to understand how it's done and how long it takes and what it should cost and what the material is. And because as you can have those higher level conversations, then contractors will understand that you are one of them. You're not a customer anymore. You're more, and then you can start standardizing your pricing. So you're not getting estimates and you start leading the ship and telling people, here's what I pay. And then you start attracting people to understand how to price things in units instead of like one job's 9,000 and the next one's 15. We actually know every job's going to be this much. And it, life gets a lot easier once that happens. So yes, I believe when someone's new, no, they don't have to quit their job and spend 350 hours. But um, if you're doing your first flip, I would recommend you go there as much as humanly possible. So I always say like create some time in the morning before you go to work, maybe on your lunch break, after work, your weekends, you know, and during your flip, you know, you really want to make sure you've committed any time you can, because the more time you're there, the more opportunity you get to learn. There's a lot of great life lessons and stuff that you're going to learn in your flip. that's going to be highly valuable to you. So uh, the question, is why wouldn't you want to be there if because the more you learn and the faster you learn it the faster you're going to make money i think that's such a good reminder that a lot of the gurus today they don't talk about how important it is to actually know what's going on you hear a lot of people say hey well i flip 100 houses a year and i never go and see any of the properties and i don't really know even what's going on or how that stuff works and it's possible they're doing it But I think it's a big mistake because unless you have exactly the right contractors or somebody who's running that for you, it's really easy to get screwed because you don't really know the difference between somebody saying, hey, well, this is actually what we need to do versus, you know, it's a five minute job versus a a 10 hour job. And obviously they're charge you differently for that. Yeah. And it comes all the way back into like, if I can do say, I'll just use you as an example, but you know, just if you're doing a flip for 60 and I'm doing it for 50, then I'm offering 10 more K for my house. And that's going to give me a highly, you know, big competitive edge against you if we're fighting for the same property. So being able to do the construction cheaper is not just about the construction piece of it, but it actually links back to the buying piece. When people are struggling to get deals right now because they say the market's too competitive, it just means that they're not up to par with their competitor. 
Um, we want you to get up to par with your competitor very quickly. And then we want you to start hacking and figuring out how you can be completely better than your competitor. Um, I think there's no business easier because most people think house flipping is like a, a hobby, not a business. And so a lot of people don't want to do this full time. They don't want to think about it all the time or evolve to a level of expertise. Um, they think just, okay, let me learn the basics on a three day weekend and then I'm going to go out and do it. Well, that's awesome. If that's our average competitors, well, that's easy to beat. All we have to do is every week work on getting a little better over a year or two. And now we're really, you know, we're able to come in and look at deals and win them where other people can't win them. Yeah, that's such a strong, it's such a strong reminder. And from a mindset perspective, it comes back to this idea of knowing your craft, of, of knowing what is you're going to do and not feeling like you're above any activity or piece of the puzzle. And that seems to be key, right? You can definitely go out and try to do everything from a high level perspective. But if you don't have an understanding of what's going on deep in the details, it's going to be difficult for you to manage when there's issues or be able to properly coach and manage your team on solving some of those issues that, that they actually would have to solve on their own. Yeah, it's a great word, team, too, right? You actually, when you are involved in it, you become the part of the team. And before, when I was doing about 150 houses a year, I didn't feel like I was part of the team. I was like the like the Wizard of Oz, me standing up there and just pointing everyone in the right direction. And people didn't think that I really knew what they were doing or understood their job. And uh, now people completely respect the fact that because I'm actually in helping them. And when I say that I'm not doing their job, I'm just in there helping and doing any of the high level important stuff and pushing them through any boundaries or struggles they might have. So we can ensure a result together of getting done on time, on budget, and uh, making sure the house is absolutely beautiful so that it's going to sell for more than we expected. Yeah. So talk to me about talk to me about the process of getting to the point in your business from from a mindset perspective. How do you go from I'm going to do all the work myself to this point of where I'm going to subcontract all of the work and how you end up thinking differently about doing a project between the two? So obviously, you know, being a manager of a project and hiring the people and organizing the materials and doing the design and doing all those things, that's a full-time job. So first you have to shift your mind to realize that. Like there is a job that you probably aren't doing, which is managing the property, making sure costs are good and all that. If you're in working on the job, then you can't do that job. And you never want to give that job away. If there was any one job you were going to keep as the owner, it would be that job. Because that job can be, you can you can do it at the high level. Like the day I'm doing you know, 30, 40 houses a year that are renovations and a bunch of wholesales. But um, I still am the real, I call myself the senior project manager and the project manager does 90% of the work is my project manager. Now I do 10% that I feel like only I can really bring that high level vision to, which is going to be confirming the layouts are as optimal as possible, make sure the design is nailing it. We've got things that are going to make the house stand out. It's going to be emotional sale, make sure it's priced correctly, all those things. I still do 10% across the board because there's just, that's my level as the owner. There's things I can do that the project manager would not be capable of doing. So one of the shifts in mindset for me is realizing that being part of my business ensures that I can do really well. Because I, I don't see house flipping, and I've not seen anyone do this yet. I know there's people trying to do it. I've never seen anyone turn this into like a Fortune 500 company that makes $20, 30000000 million a year flipping houses. You only go to commercial, you go to something bigger if you're trying to get to that. But uh, this is just a really amazing hustle that you can make anywhere from 200 to a million 
plus dollars a year. And, uh, and you can be part of it though. So like I now have changed my mindset that I'm not the CEO. I think even using that word makes me feel like I'm corporate and I'm in an office and in a suit, dude, I'm in with the team. I'm, I'm making it happen. I'm only working about 15, 20 hours a week, but the time that I do put in is the high level activities that really drive the business forward. And, uh, I made that shift about two years ago and I got humble that like, instead of trying to give the big stuff away and in, throwing it on my project manager, like negotiating or my mom who does the, the listings for me. She hates arguing with people and negotiating, but I actually don't mind. I love, I enjoy doing it. I'm good at it. So she bundles everything up for me and then just hands it to me. And it takes me an hour a week to sell my own property. She does 95% of the work. And because I'm able to take and push through that hard stuff, it just, we're making a lot of extra money because of it, like tons of extra money. So there's something I want to point out there for the listeners that I took away, and maybe you guys caught something different, but what you're really doing is you're figuring out what am I the best at, what am I really good at, and what are the most important pieces in my business? That could be your flipping business, that could be any business, but you're figuring out what are those most important pieces that are going to be able to make sure that that this is successful. And for you in this business, you know, that's construction and that's selling and, and that's some of the negotiation pieces. And what you've done is you've put majority of the responsibility on somebody else, but you're holding back those most important pieces and you're having them essentially do all of the, the hard, heavy lifting work and they bring to you uh, the pieces that, that they need your help on because you're the expert and you're keeping everything moving forward. Uh, and so you're able to spend actually a lot less time doing it, but you still have, you know, a tight grip. You still have control over what's happening in your business. Yeah, very well said. I mean, I think you broke that down exactly how I do it. And and yeah, it keeps me not working a lot, but it also, I keep seeing my profits increase because all the big stuff's not falling through the cracks, you know, but the small stuff, let them handle that. The big stuff I'm attending to and I'm, I'm I feel like it gives me a level of control. So I, I like to be in control and make sure my business is running well. I don't like to, you know, and this is a big mindset thing. I, I like to be accountable. I don't like to, you know, blame the economy, the world, the the contractors, whoever. I'm responsible for everyone under me. So if my project manager goes over budget, that's not him going over budget. That's me. I went over budget. Yeah. It means I didn't put a control in place to look at the budget with them every week so we could uh, actually find out we were going over budget well before it happened and fix it. Uh, so that so me, I'm always coming back to me being accountable for the team and that's been a big shift for me. It's such such a strong idea. So when you're working with clients, when you're working with some of your coaching students, and they're having these struggles where they they are stuck in a state of mind thinking that, well, you know, I am the kind of person, or I am my hat, my past, or my history, or they have fears about money and kind of going out and spending money because in real estate investing, you got to you actually spend a lot of money to make money. It's an investment in what's going to happen. What would you say to somebody who's dealing with some of those beliefs, some of those things that are really holding them back from being able to step up in this business? I mean, so maybe the person they are today is totally has a right to be afraid and has a right to be concerned. The question mark's always like, who do you need to transform into? Who do you need to become for that not to be a problem anymore? And then when it, once we figure out what that is, we can put a plan together to go from who you are to who you need to transform into to be the bright leader, to run your construction, to do all these things. Because we constantly hear people tell me like, Michael, I don't know anything about construction. I was like, well, either did I. But I just, you know, I kind of realized I had to figure it out. 
And uh, so the question mark is like, who do you become? Like me, I might got some boots and a tape measure and I kind of look like an official, like people like, oh, he looks like a contractor. It's easy for him. No, I had to learn that, right? I, I, I used to be the really shy guy that never talked to anyone. I had to learn to talk to people and, you know, build rapport so that I could get deals done. So these are things we learn. Who did I, the question always is, who do you have to transform into in order to run the type of business you want to have? And once you know what that is, man, it just comes to you from that point because anyone can transform into anyone. What a quality question. Seriously, it's, it's, not, it's not blaming you for where you're at. It's not telling you that what you're thinking isn't true. It's acknowledging, well, hey, why are you feeling that way? And how do you want to be so that you can feel confident and so you don't feel that way anymore? I really, yeah. I really appreciate that. A coach told me, one of my coaches, I, I believe, I still work with coaches today myself, and one of my coaches told me, uh, I think I said something along the lines of like, yeah, I should be farther than where I'm at. And, and he said to me, Mike, you're exactly where you deserve to be. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? He's like, yeah, you're exactly where you deserve to be because you've made choices to this date that you've allowed certain people to stay in your life, maybe you know, see contractors in your life, and they've caused you not to have the consistency that you want because for whatever reason, maybe you want people to like you or you just don't want to be the bad guy and fire people. Maybe you're afraid to go out and go get the better, higher level people. Maybe you don't even feel confident enough. But bottom line is whatever we have in our life is exactly what we want in our life. We choose that. And uh, it's really powerful. It really uh, it took me a bit to comprehend it. Uh, and maybe for some people listening, you might get it right away or you might have to think about it for a bit. Yeah, that's that's definitely powerful. What are what are some of the big challenges that you have today in your life? So big challenges for me now, obviously, is uh, I've getting all the operations things going. And uh, I've, I'm not like a high level financial person. And I think most people are in America. Most people are in debt. So I'm, I've just realized recently, I've always tried to have a bookkeeper do all my books. And, and I'm now realizing I have a bookkeeper I just hired. I have a, a comptroller who's checking the bookkeeper's work. Then I hired a CFO and a tax guy. And I'm like, it seems like a lot. Now, they're all working part time, but each of them have a skill. So I've just really figured out after all these years how to like high level run the financial part of my business because really no one talks about that it's not very sexy it's not very interesting so that's my big struggle now is like really getting getting my numbers so perfect that i I can really strategically start thinking ahead that is so strong because in this business the longer that you don't make a change when there's an issue from a financial standpoint it just compounds especially when you have so many projects going on i think it's something that is really under talked about it's because this is a hustle business and people are just thinking hey I, all i have to do is hustle a little bit more and i'll make more money but maybe if you watched over the money that you're already making you'd have more of it left on the table Totally. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I like studying people and I like watching patterns. I'm an analytical guy that way. And I've, I've made a lot of money in my life and I've retained nowhere near what I should have retained. And I've known people who've made, you know, 30% of what I make and they retain more. Uh, even my hard money lender I mean, probably makes a couple hundred K a year. The guy's got $6 million because he, and I asked him how he built that up. He's like, well, I take a dollar, every dollar I make, I put 25 cents away. And I've done that for 25 years now. And I'm like, well, that makes sense. Wow. I take I take twenty five cents to go buy a car or something else, you know that we a Lexus <laughs> commercial has convinced us we need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a good reminder. So, so tell me, um, how would you define success, and what is success to you, Mike? 
Honestly, I think, uh, so from a financial standpoint, I think wealth and success is really just having more money. If you live on 50K a year and you make 100, you will feel financially wealthy. If you make a half million a year and you're spending 550K a year, you'll feel poor. So it is all about having success for me is like making more money than you need and being able to do that without working like 50 hours a week, doing it, doing something that you love is success. So the 10 or 15 hours a week I work, I do all the things I like in the business. I can do them from Costa Rica, California. California, wherever I want to travel. And I wake up pumped to do it. I don't have an alarm clock. I get up when the sun comes up and I'm ready to work. There's no, oh, I got to go to work because I've been able, I feel like that's true success for me. Just doing the stuff that I find fun. I love that. Do you feel successful? I do now. Yes. That's huge. That's, it's so important. And it's just all about the way that you look at it. So from a habits perspective, what are some of your keystone habits? The things that you do on a daily or weekly basis that, lead to a good life? Business-wise, and I'll talk personal in business, but business-wise, it's really, for me, it's always trying to figure out what are some of the big needle movers, uh, you know, and that's construction costs, it's, you know, deal flow in general, uh, and being able to make sure, like, profitability. And so, for me, really, it's a big thing I feel like has been making me have a great quality of life is just understanding how to see those metrics every couple days, every week, and really focus on them so I can make changes every week on them and make sure that I'm attending to them. Personally, I think it's about, you know, I've been trying to lose weight, you know, trying to get out, try new things. Things. I'm trying to learn how to surf when I was in Costa Rica and snowboard. I've been doing for a couple of years and really just getting out and doing some stuff, uh, you know, just figuring out what I want and then why I feel like I don't have it and then just go get it. I love that. That's uh, having fun is so important. Well, I suck at surfing because I'm impatient and that's why I took up uh, kiteboarding and uh, a little bit faster. It's a lot more like snowboarding, but if you ever want to definitely make your way out to Denver, I'd love to uh, come riding with you sometime this year. Yeah, snowboarding. I'm, I'm getting pretty good at it. I got on a black diamond a couple of times, so enough that I can have some fun. Big shooter. Love it. Love it. So we've made it to the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. So what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one that you're excited about right now? I mean, I feel like it's almost a cheesy answer, but I mean, you know that Think and Grow Rich is amazing, but probably the book mm -hmm. that's impacted my life recently the most is uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, I mm -hmm. totally never understood how important it is for people to like you and for you to like people in return. And, uh, and sometimes when you're analytical, we just think, you know, every time somebody does something nice, we think there's an agenda behind it because that's how uh -huh. analytical brains work. But uh, learning to really truly like others and then them like you in return has uh, been the secret to finding great contractors, good team members to work with me, friends, you know, having great friends. Like you have to learn to be a great friend to have a great friend. That's, that's powerful. So from an inspiration standpoint, who were some of your mentors and how do you look at finding great mentors or coaches in your life? God, I wish I could point one because I and I and I would hate to leave anyone out because every everything I've done, which has been close to about a half million dollars in coaching over ten years, uh, and I, I know because it's in QuickBooks, it's over a half million bucks at this point. I'm very deep into coaching, and I, I believe that uh, there didn't have to be one coach, but if there was going to be one, um, I think it's you know if it's flipping you want to do, then find someone who's actively flipping and can articulate and has good mindset, and probably is not going to be the gurus because I would say some of the times I have wasted money is when I got with the nationwide gurus who just, you know, sold me a program. It was all about profits. And, you know, I picked some stuff up from it, but I didn't get as much as I would have liked for the money I spent. For sure. For sure. That's definitely, that's definitely some good advice. And from a purpose perspective, what drives you to live your best life every day? 
really family at this point. So for, for most of my life, it's been all about me, right? I've been very self-centered as far as like me having wealth and me making sure I'm not broke because I didn't want to be poor again. I had a big driver of that, the fear of going back to being poor. And uh, now it's been a lot about making sure family members and team members and people that are key in my life uh, have opportunity, helping like push them up. And uh, not just my students, but my family, friends, even more, it started with them. Like, you know, and I'm getting a lot from that. Like, it's so cool to be able to help others and, and watch them take that evolution and then we all kind of go upwards together which is really cool because i i think i read something on maybe it was on your podcast talking about to lonely journey journey as an entrepreneurial person and an investor it totally is by the way like most people don't realize that and you know when you start having success the people you grew up with you can't really have the same conversation you don't have the same problems and you're like yeah man my you know i made 600k a year before man it's kind of sucking because i only made 450 this year and they're like yeah my boss wouldn't give me a raise to 12 bucks an hour it's like you know we kind of look at, we're not talking about the same stuff anymore mm-hmm. so you start to kind of gravitate away from your friends and start meeting newer higher level people but it becomes a little bit lonely because you know we we miss the connection of the people we grew up with and we don't have as many long-term friends at least for me man it happens to all of us you know it's 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 hard because you don't want to leave those people behind because they are an important part of your life but you really do need to find those people who are going in the direction. And, you know, that's why I'm grateful. I actually met you at a mastermind. I'm excited for you to participate in the mindset mastermind that we're putting on and, uh, just having a way to connect with awesome people. We're all pushing in the same direction. You can kind of share some of the struggles and you can realize like, Hey, we're all in this together. And, you know, you can talk about stuff you can't really talk about with other people. You know, sometimes your spouse or girlfriend or husband or wife or whatever it is, doesn't really understand, you know, the challenges that you're dealing with in your business. And that's what's so nice about a mastermind is these people are right there doing it. And, uh, you know, they're feeling some of the same pain. They understand it. It's great to be around people dealing with the same stuff, right? If we, you really study like sociology and like, you know, the reason that my friends were my friends at the time, because I was the person who liked to get in trouble and do crazy stuff. And I had the same mindset as them. So once I stopped doing those things, had a different mindset, like the thing that connected us was not there anymore. Yeah, And it's not like I abandoned them. It's just, honestly, like you're right. You do have this feeling of like, well, and I did, I stayed friends with them way too long because they were actually dragging me down and they had some negativity with them. Eventually over the years, I just realized I have to, if I really want to become this person that I was really, truly meant to be, it might require me breaking off some relationships and creating some new ones. Yep. And uh, thank goodness for the new ones. And thank goodness for the ones that got you exactly where you are. So thank you so much for being on, on, uh, on the podcast today with us. Where can people find out more about you or get in touch? Uh, if you want to reach me, the two best ways, one's going to be, uh, you can go to the website, which is theflipfactor.net. Theflipfactor.net is where you can find me, or you can email me, mike at theflipfactor.net. Definitely take them up on that if you're interested in this space and if you took away some good stuff. Thank you so much, Mike. It was a lot of fun, and I look forward to the next time we get to hang out. Dude, thanks, man. Awesome. What an incredible episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed putting it together. And I want to tell you about this incredible program that we're now releasing. We're putting it out live, and I want you to be a part of it. If you happen to be a high-level real estate investor who's really pushing things to the next level, who want to get the most out of their business, they want to take consistent action on a regular basis and work from a place of clarity so you actually can end up at the outcome that you originally got into this game for. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I know when I got into real estate investing, I had planned on doing this so that I could get passive cash flow. And I got distracted along the way. And I got distracted with things that were incredible and amazing. And I grew like crazy. 
But sometimes we got to get back to that core. What are we doing this for and why are we doing this? And there's so many, there's so many things that we're learning in every single episode that we need to start applying in our daily basis every single day. So what I've put together and I've brought together an incredible mindset coach who has been doing this for years and years, has 25,000 hours, previously worked with the Tony Robbins organization and many others, and is going to be delivering and training us. He's agreed to do this in a small group setting. Um, so I know a ton of people are going to be interested, and there's very limited spots available. This is not full scarcity. We're only going to take 15 people for the first group. So please make sure you head over to the website, theinvestormindset.com slash action, so you can find out a little bit more and add your name to the wait list so that when we're ready to pull you in, we can start having that conversation and decide if you're a great fit. I know the power of this stuff. I've invested tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars in order to grow myself and my business to the next level. And that's exactly why I'm so grateful that we're going to be bringing this out live and really making a big difference. So join us in this mini mastermind online, this program, and let's help do some incredible things together. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. 